wife to choir didn't even miss her today. That sounded good. Thank you, choir. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You know, um, I can remember being in um, elementary school and you'd practice your fire drills and they would tell you stop, drop, and roll. I think that was the name of it. Um, and, and, and get down, uh, you know, so you can get away from the fire and roll away from it or what have you. Or if you catch on fire to, to roll or whatever. I do apologize for not having you a handout. I went to run a copy this morning and the copier um, must have burned it up yesterday, burning, uh, running bulletins, but uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work yesterday. Oh, Holly tore it up? No, Holly didn't mess it up. Anyway, that's no problem. We, we, uh, we'll, we'll get it done. So if, you, if you're taking notes today, um, three simple words for as far as a sermon title. Stop, look, listen. Stop, look, listen. We'll be in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 39 and 40, and in some other selected passages as well. But those are the two that we'll read in just a moment. But I want you to think with me, if, if you will. Um, from the very moment we get up in the mornings, when God allows us to open our eyes, when we get out of bed, we begin to be bombarded with noises. Now think about it. Some of you may turn the TV on. You may turn the radio on. You may turn whatever on. If you have children, there may be the chatter of children or for some grandkids. There's constant commotion at work. I don't know of anybody that works at a real quiet job this day and time, but there's constant commotion. And not to mention those little funny gadgets called cell phones that you constantly hear ding or whatever noise you have for a text message or an email. And I say that to say this. We wonder why we don't hear from God. We must be still in order to hear from God, to hear that small voice. I love Psalm 46 and verse 10, and we know it. Be still and know that I am God. Well, let me make two statements as we continue in the message. One is this. I want you to think, really think about this, because I've thought about it this week. If we truly love God, we will listen to God. If we truly love God, we'll listen to God. And secondly, if we're not listening to God, it's because we don't want to. If we're not listening to God, it's because we don't want to. Now, before we move any further, let me say this. Let's remember that becoming Bible literate is not about being smarter. It's not about beefing up our spiritual resume, if you will. It's not about showing others how intelligent we are about the Bible, but it's about truly searching the pages of Scripture. Literally, turning the pages 
of Scripture and finding our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in there and then listening to what he has to say to us in there. John, turn with me. John chapter 5. Verse 39 and 40. says this, Jesus speaking, reading from the NIV. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these two verses of Scripture. And now as we move into studying your word together, I pray that you speak to us, that you would show us what it is you would have us to learn today. We pray in your name. Amen. Throughout the course of a day, just think about your day. Maybe even think about what you have on the agenda for tomorrow, what it might be. But just through the course of the day, do we have a good reason for doing what we do? Throughout the course of a day, do we have a good reason for not doing what we know we should be doing? Now, I want to speak to us just a moment this morning under God's leading as the Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, directs us. I want us to look at some reasons to saturate our lives in God's Word. Why should we be saturated with the Word of God? I don't want to give us some reasons, and I think they're very, very simple and easy to understand. Number one, we cannot truly love God and not listen to Him. We cannot truly love God and not listen to Him. Well, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 35, we, we see there an encounter that Jesus has with a Pharisee. And he's described there in verse 35 as an expert in the law. And this expert in the law, so to speak, tested Jesus with this question. Rick Atkinson got the chance to speak at Lawrence Manning's uh, chapel program this week, and he used this verse. But listen to what the question was asked to Jesus. He said this, teacher... Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And here's what Jesus said. He said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is the greatest commandment. That's what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. I began to read that and I began to, to, to look at that a little closer this week, and, and I believe that many people in our world today try to deceive themselves into believing that they can love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, and mind without a steady diet, without a steady dose of the Scriptures. You know, folks, our hearts must be focused on treasuring God, what's in the Scriptures. Our mind as well must be focused on thinking of God in the right way. 
I don't know who this is, but Jen Wilking, Wilkins said this, and I'll quote, the heart can't love what the mind doesn't know. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Here we see Paul helps us connect our love for God and for others as we grow in our knowledge of Him. Chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now go back to what I just said about thinking of God in the right way. I want, I want to make sure we, we, we all understand that. As we think of God in the right way, this is what happens. God will produce godly actions in us and through us. And, and, and also keep in mind that those actions require more than just loving other people, than just being nice and being kind to other people. This is what it, it requires. Integrity. You know what integrity is? For a short, simple definition. What you do when nobody else is, is watching. What do we do when nobody else is watching? So it requires integrity in areas such as our financial matters, in our speech, in our conduct, in family conflicts, in relationships with all kinds of people. Now, as I thought about that, I began to think that that tells me, and I hope it speaks to you, that the only way to love God more is to know Him more. You folks who have spouses, how do you love your spouse more? Because you love them because you get to know them more. Think about in the dating when you were dating, before you were getting married, you, 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 you learned them more, and you were able to appreciate them more. So see, we have to be listening to his word and diligently reading and studying. So one reason we should saturate ourselves in the Bible is we can't truly love God and not listen to him. Secondly, our faith needs promises to survive. Our faith, your faith, my faith needs promises to survive. Now, I want you to go to, with me to 2 Timothy there. Go ahead and find 2 Timothy chapter 1. And remember, as Paul was encouraging young Timothy, young Timothy was, was young in the faith. Paul was his mentor. He probably led him to Christ. And he, he, Paul, used the most powerful weapon in his arsenal as he mentored Timothy. And that weapon was the gospel. How much did we talk about the gospel the month of January? We talked about it every single Sunday. And here it is again. 2 Timothy chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to these verses. Paul said, so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Or ashamed of me, Paul, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Verse 10. 
But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Pastor, author, John Piper, some of you may know him, he comments on these verses this way. He says, the cure for wimpy Christians is weighty doctrine. The cure for wimpy Christians is weighty doctrine. Now, Paul did a very nice job of providing the truth of the gospel as the cure for timid Timothy. He was very timid. And Timothy's cure, that same cure for Timothy, is the same cure for us today, the truth of the gospel. How do we know the truth of the gospel? we got to get in these pages. See, verses 9, verses 9 and 10 that I just read is a brief summary of the gospel. You go back and look at it, and it simply says this, that God loves us, that he sent Jesus to die for us, and because of that we have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he broke the power over death by his resurrection. And our trust will grow increasingly as we do what? As we anchor ourselves to this book. Think about all the garbage that we read sometimes, all the time that we waste. I know it used to be I couldn't do anything anymore until I got and read the paper. I'm so glad everything's online now. I don't even go online. I don't get the paper. Don't read the paper much. It used to be, it used to consume me. I used to have the paper first. But this is what we need to go to first. So our faith needs promises to survive. To survive. Thirdly, we become like what we behold. Now let me define that word behold. That ver, uh, word behold simply means what we view, what we watch. We become like what we behold. A five-year-old little girl looked at her mom and dad and said, when I grow up, I want to be a singer and a mommy. Wonder where she got that ambition from. Could it possibly be because she spent so much time with those two people called mom and dad, day in and day out, hour after hour after hour? Could it be that we are beginning to look like Jesus, a little more like Jesus, because we're spending time in his word? Or are we not looking like Jesus because we're not spending time in his word? We become like what we behold. And let me say this to us. As we continually gaze, continually focus on God. The Spirit of God transforms us. This book will transform your life. We must do as David said, and as David did in Psalm 18, verse 6, he says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I'm going to tell you a couple things that happens when we do that, when we keep our eyes always on the Lord, we'll find that those that sinful things that we formerly loved are now less attractive. We find that holiness begins to take shape in our life. It begins to bloom and blossom in our life, in our minds and in our hearts and in our daily living. And we begin to look a little more like Jesus. Fourthly, we will only find joy in the words of Jesus. 
the reason we need to saturate ourselves in God's Word is because we only find joy in the words of Jesus. John 15, 11 says this, Jesus speaking to his disciples. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Let's be honest with ourselves today. How do we feel when things are going good? We feel happy. We feel elated. What about when things begin to go south and hardships come our way? We become a little sorrowful, do we not? But see, here's the, here's the beauty of joy, the joy that Jesus talked about, that my joy may be in you and that your, your joy may be complete. You see, the joy that Jesus gives us overshadows any circumstances that we go through, anything that, that we may have to, have to experience in our life. It comes from a consistent daily, day in and day out relationship with Christ. Think about the beauty of our life when it's intertwined with the Lord Jesus. Think about how different it, it looks. He helps us get through those, those difficult days, that, that adversity that we may have to go through. We feel like we're sinking and, and we're drowning. He, make, he helps us to manage our successes so that those things won't go to our head and become an idol in our life. You see, we need to keep in mind that every word of Christ is meant for our eternal happiness. And our eternal happiness is tied directly to what Jesus tells us in his word. We need to hang on it. My joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We need to hang on verses like that. And lastly, there's work to be done. The reason we need to have our, our lives saturated in, in God's word is because there's work to be done. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me read these two verses to us and we'll wrap it up. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now get verse 17. So that the man of God, I was talking about man, woman, boy, girl. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, get this, for every good work. You know, it's sad, but I've seen Christians who have the desire to go and do for God over knowing God. Because, see, knowing God takes some work, does it not, Christian? Those of you who are striving to know God better, you know it's not an easy thing to do. You know it's very difficult to set aside a quiet time. You know it's very difficult. We talked about prayer in Sunday school this morning. It's very difficult to have a, a quality prayer time because we're so busy. And if we're, and if we're too busy to pray, we're too busy. If we want to live for Jesus and enjoy him forever here on earth and forever in eternity, then we've got to soak ourselves in his word if we truly love God, church, it's just this simple. We will listen to him. Let me read you two quotes, one from Woodrow Wilson. He says this, and I quote, I am sorry for men who do not read the Bible every day. I wonder why they deprive themselves of the strength and the pleasure. And then Martin Luther, that name rang a bell, Martin Luther, it should. He says this, 
The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold on me. Pray with me. 11, 411. Let's stand as we sing.